Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Come on, y'all are more lively than last service. You know, they were still half awake. Maybe they were just had an amazing Valentine's Day this weekend, and it was just, you know, needed to, some coffee, some extra coffee. Well, my name is Austin Fontenot, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Luminous Church, and we're so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we're going to be ending our series, Amazing Grace. We're going to be ending our series, Amazing Grace. Everyone say, all. Oh. Oh, come on, man, because this series has been amazing. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about amazing grace and how that transforms us in freedom. And so how many of y'all, as you came into church, are expecting to receive something from the Lord? Man, y'all are like, man, all right, come on, I got a couple hallelujahs, amens, right? Just a couple hands up, right? Just a few of y'all. Uh, man, I just want to say this, encourage y'all, before we even dive in, I just want to encourage y'all on this, is that, like, man, every time we have an opportunity to dive into scripture. Maybe it's here on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's at life group, if you're part of a life group, or maybe it's maybe during your devotion time with the Lord. Man, this is an opportunity where God wants to meet you and reveal something to you. Like God wants to reveal something to you that would bless you, not only physically, but even spiritually, that would sustain you. So I want you to look to your neighbor because this, this, this morning we're going to be, you know, talking and engaging with one another. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, man, are you ready for what God has for you today? And look to your other neighbor and say, I am. Are you? Come on. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and just pray in agreement that, man, God has something for us this morning. Something that his word is going to transform us. So before we even leave here, the enemy is not going to steal the deposit in which the Lord is going to give to you. Mark chapter 4 talks about how the enemy wants to steal the seed before it even gets planted in the ground. You know, so once you leave here, the enemy is trying to go ahead and rob that, trying to remove the blessing and the favor in which God has for you. So we want to say, man, Lord, we are here to receive what you have for us. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is sustenance to our body. God, that it is our daily bread for our body, soul, and mind. Father God, we just love you so much that you look upon us and call us children. God, help us come to receive what you have for us with a heart of expectancy. Lord, we love you, and we praise your holy name. Amen. Amen. So there's a lot of like common sayings, you know, over the years. One of, one of those is that a bird of a feather flock together, right? There's another one is that an apple a day will keep the doctor away. Man, honestly, I'm here to say, man, that's a lie. Man, that is a bold-faced lie because I've eaten applesauce. I've been eating Abby jo- apple Jolly Ranchers, apple butter. Man, I've been eat- drinking soda de manzana. For some of y'all know that apple soda that you get at CeCe's Pizza. I've been doing this, and I've been sick. I've been sick more the last two months, and I have all of 2019. 
And being sick is like the worst thing ever. And a lot of things have been traveling around lately. Clearly, you can see on the news, but some of it's like your typical allergies, right? Your common cold, the flu, uh, maybe even strep. Oh my gosh, that's like crazy. I told someone who had strep, man, do not come to my house. They're part of our life group. I was like, man, we love y'all, but just, you know, we're just, we'll FaceTime you, you know? And depending on what you have, right, the symptoms differ, right? Some of it may be fatigue, maybe headache, maybe loss of appetite, maybe, con- you know, congestion. And when I get sick, like, I am the worst, and that's happened a lot lately. It's happened a lot lately, and it, it, what doesn't make it any better is that, like, man, Tori's great and amazing, but, you know, she tends to like to make fun of me in these moments when I'm just, like, needing her and depending on her. She loves to make fun of me because she hardly ever gets sick. I told her she's like Wolverine. Like, she's indestructible. Like, she's only been sick once, you know, since we've been married. We're going to be married, like, almost three years this summer. She's only been sick once, and that was last year because she just got pregnant, you know? So I was like, man, like, you have two people, right, you and the baby, and you just now getting sick. I was like, man, that's crazy. And the funny thing is, is that, man, I, I just get too sick too often lately. And what she likes to do when she makes fun of me, this is what she does, all right? She likes to act out our immune systems. She goes like, babe, this is totally your immune system, and this is mine, okay? So this is, let me set it up for you, all right? So I'm going to be Tori's immune system, and the germ is going to be coming, approaching in, trying to invade her, trying to stop her, trying to get her sick, and this is what happens, all right? Hey, man, get out of here. Poof. Right? And immediately, boom, germs are gone. She doesn't get sick. It lasts about one second. Nothing happened. Bam. All right? And so she does me. She's like, babe, this is your immune system. Watch. Hey, you get out of here, germs. Get out. Oh. All right? And immediately, immediately, germs get invaded in my body. I'm sick for like two weeks and 100% dependent on Tori. I got a bell and I'm ringing the bell. Tori, babe, I need you. Man, please give me some soup. And my thing is, like, when I'm sick, I want Tori to get Las Palapas caldo soup. Some lemon Gatorade. I don't know what it is, but it's the lemon Gatorade. Like, it just works. It's like magic. I don't know what happens in that. But, man, praise God for an amazing wife who puts up with me and takes care of me. (laughs) And you can ask her. Like, man, I am way too much at times. I'm way too much. Check out this video. So everyone knows, okay, someone like this. Right? Everyone knows someone like this, and maybe that person is you, and you don't want to see, admit that, right? Because the first thing is that denial. You don't want to admit that, but man, that's me a lot of the times. And man, like I just exaggerate, maybe a little bit too much, and um, in a super dramatic way. And so I am the worst, right? Like even my fingernails hurt, babe. Like man, my eyebrows, man, my 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 lashes. Like man, I feel it, man. It's hurting. 
I've never felt so much pain in my life. I promise you this time. I'm suffering. I just need you to validate my feelings, okay? Please. Man, I am terrible, man. God, help her. Man, so man, we look and we see that, man, one, I'm just worse at suffering, but also suffering is inevitable. I mean, suffering is inevitable. You can ask anyone who's got the cold recently, right, when that one, one nostril gets stuffed and you're trying to breathe and it's gross and it's leaky. It's like, man, all you want to do is smell the flowers. And you never smelled the flowers all year, but now you want to smell the flowers, right, because it's been robbed of you. But the thing is, there's different degrees of suffering, there's different degrees of suffering, and man, what is a five for me? It's like, man, I'm like, I'm like dead right now at five. It's like a one to Tory. I mean, it's not fair that she has a stronger immune system than me, but man, so there's different degrees. I mean, also, there's also different types of suffering, right? There's physical, right? There's something happening to you physically. There's something happening to you maybe emotionally, and maybe, lastly, mentally, and I would say that we've all endured and experienced some aspects of suffering here in this room. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to grab a pen, maybe open up your notes and your phone, and I want you to write down this question. The question is, what has my encounter or encounters of suffering produced in me? I mean, what has it produced in me. And we'll come back to that later on, but I just want you to write it down just to marinate on that. So go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12, 1 through 10, and that's going to be our main text this morning. Before we actually start reading it and, you know, uh, breaking it down, you need to have a better idea what's happening, what's the context, you know? And so this is what is actually happening. This is a letter, an epistle to the church in Corinth, written by Paul. And what's happening in this moment is that Paul's credibility as an apostle is being questioned. It's being questioned. These are these guys, which he refers to as the super apostle. I mean, he refers to them as the super apostle in, in chapter 11, verse 5. And he's not saying that they're super because they are. He's saying they're super because he's being sarcastic. And I love when I read scripture, you see some personality in some of the characters. You're like, man, he's sarcastic. He can tell jokes. I mean, that's cool. I can tell jokes. And it's what these super apostles were. They, they were these false prophets that would go behind Paul as he would proclaim the gospel and say, hey, the gospel that Paul preached wasn't good enough. It was inadequate. What you need is you need the gospel plus works. You need the gospel plus circumcision. You need the gospel plus whatever. And so he calls them these super apostles. And often what they would do is they would just say that, man, that Paul was unreliable, Man, he was unreliable, and he was, and he was weak. Man, how can you call him an apostle? Like, he said he was going to come, and he hasn't even come yet. So there was this delay in which Paul, something prevented him from coming, and so they were just really just ragging on him, just pretty much speaking down and discrediting all the things that Paul did. And these super apostles, all they did was they started boasting about 
what they were doing, what they were clinging on to, which wasn't the word of God. It wasn't Jesus, but it was their works. It was what they did. Let's pick up in verse 1. It says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or of the, out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. So if I should to wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it. So that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I would boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is the word of the Lord. Paul is saying in this moment, if you can boast, super apostle, I can boast too. But what's the point in boasting? There is nothing in boasting at all. I've been to the third heaven. He's speaking of the revelation that he received that happened to him 14 years ago. What I find interesting is that he says there was a guy. There was a guy. And then he, later on, he's, you end up finding out that it was him. And he's speaking in the third person. And, in, and through this story, what, what we get, we gain insight on how we should respond during moments of suffering. How should we respond in moments of suffering? And if you're taking notes this morning, these are the three points that we're going to go through. Reaction, revelation, and reliance. Short and sweet. Reaction, revelation, and reliance. So in our first point, we're looking at how we tend to react to suffering. In verse 8, Paul says that three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, that this thorn should leave me. Some scholars would say that this thorn was possibly a form or type of malaria from the missionary journeys as Paul would travel from place to place that he acquired malaria. And, and this type of malaria attacks, was attacks under stress. It was contempt and loathing for himself severe headaches. Some people, some who actually had this said, they described it, the suffering as being like a red hot bar thrust through the forehead. Like a burning rod piercing your skull. But scripture never really says what the thorn actually was. And I think God was very intentional in that because I think our tendencies as human beings is to compare ourselves with one another and say, like, well, Paul had a thorn. Well, man, I had a thorn too. So I'm like Paul, right? 
And I think God does that intentionally so that we will not compare ourselves with Paul, but it, represents our, it can represent our present suffering this morning. So in moments of suffering, if I can be quite frank with you, like I am not that great. Clearly, I exaggerate. Clearly, if I can be reactionary, I could tend to get caught up in my thoughts and my feelings and, and let them get the best of me. Man, I'm at my worst. I'm at my worst, and I cannot see. I'm so clouded about what's going on in my circumstances and why me that I cannot see what God is trying to show me, what he's trying to do in me. And like Paul, like, man, I'm pleading three times to say, God, why me? Why couldn't it be someone else? God, why couldn't it be one of Tori's ex-crushes? Why not them? Why me? Why her husband? And I know I'm not the only one who, had, who gets the case of the why me's. Right? I know you've been there too, that you, man, you get in this place and self-loathing, like, God, please take this away. Right? Like, why, Lord, did the 49ers lose in the Super Bowl for some of y'all? But for me, more recently, why, Lord, am I sick again? Or maybe for you this morning, why, Lord, and I'm, am I still waiting for breakthrough? See, Paul did exactly what he told others in moments of trouble. What he wrote exactly in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul pleaded with the Lord three times. And this wasn't a literal three. Like we read, it was a figure of speech that really it meant repeatedly. That Paul repeatedly pleaded with the Lord to remove this thorn from his side. As I'm reading this, I, I imagine, like, man, Paul wrote that in Philippians, and he's just trying to do what he's telling other people to do, right, his own advice. So he goes to the Lord, and he's like, man, there's no problem. I'm just going to pray about it. So he goes in, and the phone rings. <laughs> no, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. Then he goes in again and starts praying again to God, and nothing happens. And he goes in, he's like, probably like, man, this is tough. Like, usually, like, man, after the first one or second time I pray, it's gone. But, like, man, this is tough. And he prays again. And then when nothing happened, the third time or the repeated time, he knew that God was trying to tell him something. He knew God was trying to communicate something to him in this moment of suffering my question to you here this morning is, what is God trying to tell you through your suffering? Was he trying to speak to you? Are you even listening to what he has to say to you this morning? Are you allowing him to have access, open communication to you? See, what he's trying to reveal to you is what is the revelation which leads us to our second point. And as we pick up in verse 7, this is what it says. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, 
Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. See, if you notice closely, Scripture doesn't say who gave Paul this thorn. It said that he had a thorn, but yet God used that thorn for his glory. So when, in, when attempting to answer the question, what is God trying to reveal to us or you in your suffering, we have to be aware of three perspectives where we all fall into one of these places. The first one is this, that all bad things come from the devil. Man, everything comes from the enemy. It's the enemy's fault. And our response should be, man, we need to rebuke it, right? We need to resist the enemy. And if the problem continues, then all that means is that, man, I need more faith. Man, I haven't prayed hard enough. Man, I haven't tried my best. Perspective number two is that, man, all bad things come from God to teach you to be humble and to discipline you. And our response should be in those moments of, man, just accept our faith. Just accept the circumstances and pray for endurance and patience. And if the problem continues, then, well, I haven't learned my lesson. I haven't learned it at all. Yesterday, uh, I was able to hang out with my brother-in-law. He's here this morning and had this an amazing time of just catching up. What is God doing in your life? And we're sharing revelation and just being able to really just do life with one another. And it was just a great opportunity in which, like, in those moments, it's like, man, what you bring to one another blesses you. Right, blesses you. And it's something he said that really blessed me. And what he pointed out was in Mark, Mark chapter 4, there's this moment where Jesus calms the storm. And it's a crazy and amazing depiction. Everything I read in Mark, it's like an action movie. So I, like, I, I hear Hans Zimmer in the background, you know, and it was like intense, right? So Jesus is sleeping, and what happens, the disciples come, because they're scared that the ship is going to be sunk, and they come, and they wake him up. And in my mind, what I see is that, man, Jesus, you know, he wakes up, he cleans the eyebrows out of his eyes, comes up, you know, rebukes the wind, peace be still, and he goes back and goes back to sleep. Right? That's how, how I perceive it. Maybe you see it another way. But that's how I perceive it. And one thing he said, which was interesting, he's like, man, you notice that, man, God did send the storm. That God did send that storm for Jesus to calm at all. And then he continues to say, man, look, let's look at Matthew. So we jump into Matthew chapter 12. And, and Jesus goes after he healed a demon-possessed man. And he says, a house divided cannot stand. So God is not going to make something horrible happen to you, something horrific happen to you so that you can suffer. That is not God in his nature. That's not him at all. That is not his character. So our third perspective is this, and this is the one we should cling on to because this is really who God is, that all bad things come from the devil but are allowed by God to transform you into the image of his son. And our response should be in those moments to, yes, resist and rebuke the enemy while we allow God to transform us internally into his image. See, God causes all things to work for his glory and his benefit. 
Romans 8.28 says that, and we know that in all things, everyone say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, even when the enemy tries to prevent you from walking the purpose and the blessing of God, when he feels like things are surrounding you, God comes and works in our favor. Check out this clip. Hello, family and friends. I was going to do like a Facebook Live video, but I'm going home. Praise the Lord. I'm just so overwhelmed by everything and how, um, like, within eight days, I'm going home after Thank having, Jesus. like, heart surgery and My babies are home. <laughs> heart surgery and a collapsed lung and broken ribs and a clavicle and spleen and bladder lacerations. Like, it's, whoa, that's a bright sun after being in the hospital for a long time. <laughs> but um, I just wanted to say thank you all for praying. God is so good and so faithful, and I'm just so blessed to have such a, a wonderful um, surrounding of people who not only love well and care, but who also um, know and rec recognize like the true power of the Holy Spirit and what can be done yes, with prayer you. and how it works. And I just give God all the honor and glory. Um, I told a story to everyone who came to visit me, but uh, I'm so reminded this whole time of when we were in the ambulance, I could not breathe because I had a collapsed lung. And I was like grunting like crazy. Going, uh, yeah, everything was like coming down. And uh, I said, Julia, I can't breathe. Uh, I can't breathe. I feel like an elephant sitting on my chest. And she goes, no, Tori, with long life will he satisfy you. So that may be like the 80th time you've heard that story, but <laughs> that brought me so much peace in that moment. And I just love how Julia in that moment just brought me back to the word, God's promises, and um, even uh, just everybody just speaking life over me and praying for me. And I wasn't really wanting to cry because who likes to cry in a video? But I just wanted to say thank you all. You are so wonderful. I'm blessed to know you and have you in my life and connect be connected with you through family friends or directly um you don't know how much uh your prayers and support have uh been such a blessing to me because i'm going home with my mom and uh, i'm just so i'm just so overwhelmed god is so good and i really hope that uh, if ever you're feeling like something's impossible or if ever you feel like something is not um uh escapable or near death even, or whatever the case is, I hope you were reminded of what God did for me. He can yes. do. Come on, can you give a, a praise to the Lord for that? That was my beautiful, amazing wife. We weren't married at the time. Um, it's almost three years ago that my wife and my sister-in-law, my now sister-in-law, uh, was in a crazy car accident where a drunk driver decided to, well, he decided, but just drove up the wrong side of the highway, hit them on the head-on collision at 70 miles an hour, where my wife uh, really suffered multiple injuries from open heart surgery, from broken ribs, nine broken ribs, clavicles, sternum, lacerations on the spleen, liver. I mean, the list goes on and on, but the Lord did an amazing work. The Lord did an amazing work, and it wasn't the Lord's doing it wasn't the Lord's doing that the accident happened, but he utilized that to really just to glorify him. 
Use that to glorify him. And my wife could easily settle in her bitterness and say, why me, guy? Why has this happened to me? Why not someone else? But she chose to cling on to the hope of glory, the hope of Jesus and who he is. And her testimony as she speaks the truth and the, the word of the Lord has transformed other people's lives because they now see the hope we have in Christ. That God is not the author of evil. He's not the source of evil. That's not how he operates. See, he doesn't only work in the blessings and the good things that happen in our lives, but God is able to use all things, all circumstances, all situations, all misfortunes for his glory. What is God trying to tell you through your suffering? What is he trying to communicate to you in that? As we look at verse 9, which is my favorite part of this text, it's what he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm so glad that God didn't say, hey, Paul, my grace is only for you, Paul. He says, no, my grace grace is sufficient for you. That you means us. That God is including us into his grace in moments of suffering so that we can rely on him during the most difficult times that we may go through. Last November, I, I had the opportunity to preach here on Ephesians chapter 2, and it said, by grace, by grace you've been saved through faith. That is not by your own doing, but it's the gift of God so that no man can boast. One of the things that I mentioned then was that, man, grace is relationship. That grace is relationship. relationship. So when we replace grace with relationship, it says, for by relationship you've been saved. By the relationship that you have with Christ, you've been saved. And as we go back on verse 9 and we look at the text and we again, again replace grace with relationship, this is what it reads. That my relationship is sufficient in your weakness. That my relationship with you is, is uh, sufficient in your weakness. The relationships that I tend to, and I think a lot of us tend to cherish the most, are the ones that were established through some type of hardship. Where it was this moment in your life that you had a friend that was available to you, and in that moment, this trust was formed. I have a good friend of mine. He currently is a church planner in Austin, Texas. Some, some of y'all may know his pastor, Shadrick Bell. Um, we've known each other for about 12 or so years, um, and he's an incredible friend, but it didn't start that way. It didn't start that way at all. There was this moment um, where I just met my grandfather for the second time on my mom's side. And we went, my mom and I went to Panama 2009 over Christmas. And we left on January 14th. Literally a month later, February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2009, my grandfather passed away from colon cancer. 
In that moment, I was just overwhelmed with emotions. I was being reactionary. I was asking God, why me? Why when I just now met my grandfather for the second time, that now he's gone? I'm asking all these questions. I'm leaning, leaning into my emotions and not necessarily seeing what God is trying to do at all. Pastor Shadrick calls me. He says, man, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? Are you going to the funeral? I said, nah, man, I don't know. I don't think I can. He said, I didn't ask you if you can go. If you had the money to go, I asked you, do you want to go? I said, man, I would love to go. I had just literally spent all my money when I went back to Panama and helped my, my grandparents get a lot of things situated. Literally the next day, he comes to my apartment with this envelope full of change, checks, and $1 bills and checks. I was like, man, who did you rob? And what he did, he went and he started talking to students and people and letting them know what had happened. And like, man, we have to get them to that funeral. We have to get them to Panama. And I was able to go. And the thing is, is it's moments like that, like that, that build trust, that builds confidence, that brings room for intimacy, that opens up vulnerability, that you can say, like, man, I can trust you, that you are reliable. And I want to say this, that some of you are suffering because you thought you had friends, but you really just had acquaintances. See, God wants to be closer to you than any friend that you have on this earth. God wants to be in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, that God is committed to you. He is here for you. He is not against you. And some of y'all need to hear that this morning, that God is not against you, that he is for you. Will you trust him this morning? Will you choose to rely on him and his strength over your so-called strengths? Verse 9 continues, it says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That anyway, it may rest upon me. The difference between Paul and these so-called super apostles was that, that God was resting on Paul. There was this rest that Paul had that man that he didn't need to boast about the things that he's done or seen but he can boast about God's strength in the midst of his weaknesses. Verse 10 says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, I am strong. Paul here lists these different ways of suffering and shows us that suffering is not a result of discipline, but rather a moment where God is inviting us into deeper relationship and reliance on him. Reliance on him. Psalms 23, 4 says this. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So you can lean on the Lord. You can rely on him and he will not leave you. He's already taken our sin. He's already defeated death. He already reconciled us to the Father. And his grace is sufficient for you this morning. His grace is sufficient for you this morning. His relationship is enough for you this morning. So before we close, I would like for everyone to, to stand 
to your feet. And I want to, to bring back that question that I brought up earlier. What has my encounter or encounters of suffering produced in me? And I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with yourself. A lot of us here said this morning that maybe God has something for me. Don't leave without the thing that God wants to bless you with. With every head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you've been reactionary lately. And you allowed your emotions and your thoughts to drive your actions. Man, if that's you this morning, we, we want to pray for you. Maybe it's not you. Maybe, it's, maybe you've been so focused on your circumstances and what's happening around you that is clouding your judgment that you can't even see what God is trying to show you and do in your life in this moment. If that's you, I want to pray for you as well. And lastly, maybe you're hesitant to take your burdens to the Lord because of fear. Maybe how he's going to look at that. Or maybe you just think you can just handle it better on your own. If any of one of those things that I just said, if the Lord is pressing on you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. So I want, you, I want to pray for you. And I believe the Lord wants to reveal to you what he's trying to do, what he's trying to produce in his suffering, that it is not him, but he has a plan for this. He has a purpose for this that's going to glorify him, and that's going to bless you. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you that you are amazing, that you see our lack and in our weakness. You say that you are strong and that we can cling on to you and rejoice in our weakness for you to be glorified. King Jesus, we just thank you that you first endured and suffered in order for us to walk in relationship with the Father. God, I just pray for every single person that is here. God, that they're willing to receive at this moment what you have for them. As you say that they are a child and you have an inheritance for them, God. Lord, I just bless them. And we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself enjoy today's sermon and god bless you